Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Uh, good morning. Can everybody hear me? All right, all right, all right. Let me just look around. Wow. I've done preaching in many different settings, and every time I go somewhere, it's always brand new. It's just like if I'm going to preach all over again. So I got my notes this morning. Hopefully I'll get through them. But we only have a couple of minutes only. So um, I just want to make a couple of comments. I'm just curious about a couple of things. Um, I remember in around 2005, uh, I went to uh, Central Baptist Church in Douglasville, and I sat in a, in a Sunday school class. So you got a group just like you, everybody from the South, from Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. And there comes this guy from Puerto Rico, totally naive about the group, totally naive about language and jargon and all that stuff. And the Bible teacher decides that he's going to use the word woodshed. I can see a couple of smiles already. And when he used that word, I just raised my hand and said, wait, wait a minute, what's woodshed? And everybody was laughing at me in that group. Well, they explained to me what woodshed was, but from that point on, they didn't let go of me. They reminded me out of that word, and until this day, they still do. Nice group that received me, gave me a warm welcome, and because of them, I've been learning a lot. So uh, God has brought me through many settings, and I'm just curious about how many of you folks here are retired military Your husband? Anybody who has somebody serving in the military now? Wow. Anybody who's been a police officer has somebody who works in the police force? Wow. Fire department. Wow. <laughs> Welcome. My, my honor to you and your families, always. Okay? Um, my son, until recently, was serving as a police officer, and now he uh, wants to work in the sheriff department. So he's only 28 years old, and hopefully. My other uh, son, David, he's working now in Central Church with the youth group, so he's not with here. My daughter, Alex, is going to be working in the morning, so she's not with us here either. Um, and I got a, a beautiful granddaughter, seven months old, and... It's a thrill for the last seven months to have a, a baby in our house again. And, and this time around, I don't have to be worried about feeding, buying clothes, buying diapers. I'll let their parents do that, and I'll just enjoy my granddaughter. Is it anybody, grandfather, grandmother, agrees with me? All right. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, with that in mind... I want to come to a passage in the Bible, which all of you know already. If you would please come with me to chapter 8 of Matthew. Chapter 8 of Matthew. 
And I'm just going to read from verse 27. Are we there? And this is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says on verse 27, The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Now you know the story. The story is one where Jesus has finished doing some ministry, gets in a boat in the Sea of Galilee. By the way, beautiful sea. Gorgeous sea. Okay? When it's peaceful, it's the nicest place on earth you want to be. But, you know, in the story, this little peaceful lake turns into a stormy, unstable, 40-foot wave and up. And the disciples are now scared. Have you ever been in a ship, a clipper, a boat, and gone from one place to another? And you're one moment you're up 40 feet in the air, the next time you're below sea level. Has anybody been in a situation like that? So you can relate to the fear that comes to you when something of this nature hits you. Well, you can see the disciples, as nature calls it, they're afraid. Jesus is sleeping, and they wake him up and tell him, Jesus, help us here. We're all going to drown. And Jesus wakes up. Rebukes him, tells you a little faith, stands up, and suddenly everything calms down. And then the famous question of these disciples, what kind of man is this? I want to talk to you for the next couple of minutes about this episode. But I want to talk more about the man they were wondering about. You know, if you've been a Christian for so long, um, you should have a, a sense of awe all the time. Reading the Bible, knowing about Jesus, should be something in our lives that every day that we wake up, I see it this way, we have to be in a sense of awe. We have to wonder, what is Jesus doing today? What else, and I'm going to read in the Bible, that will probably stand out in such a way it's never done before. What kind of man is this? Well, as you read any of the Gospels, you'll find out that, first of all, what kind of man is born in a manger? What kind of man is this? Oh, he could have been born in a nice hospital, in a nice home, but God decided, no, he's going to be born in the poorest of poorest. But the paradox is, even though he's born in some place which is poor to our standards, there's three kings who come to him with presents. Amazing, poor, rich. What kind of man is this that even before he's one year old, an angel comes along and tells his parents, go to Egypt. I'm going to protect him. 
Why does God take so much care of this man, this little baby? Why is King Herod so enraged that he takes such priority and kills all the babies in the area where he thinks this baby was born, kills them all? Why does he take such an importance on this? If it was nobody, he wouldn't care. But he decided to kill a whole bunch of other babies. What kind of baby is this that as they go to Egypt and stay there, an angel tells them, hey, you can go back into Jerusalem, into Israel, because the king who wanted to kill this baby is no longer alive. Why is it so important, this name of Jesus? Who is this man that the first 12 years of his life, and even from his early age to almost his 30-something years, we don't hear no much about him except for the fact that he's an outstanding boy. That at the age of 12, he already knows what his mission on this world is. Do you and I know what our mission is? I stand here to talk to you this morning. But sometimes I think that God has many more things for us to do. I'm still wondering about what God is going to do through my life. I can never be satisfied with all the things I have accomplished. I will never want to be satisfied. I will never want to be self-sufficient. You see, it's not a coincidence that I was brought into the church in Palmetto. It might seem... Like Pastor Paul called me, and from that point on, we had a conversation. Up to this point, this is what has happened. But I believe that God has been every single way on this. I don't think there's any coincidence of me being here with you this morning. I don't think there's a coincidence for me to be with the Spanish congregation. As a matter of thought, I thought I'd, two years ago, I wouldn't have thought be here preaching in this church and accepting what they were offering me. My biggest concern was a pastor left, and for me, I didn't want to have a congregation without no pastor. And I was willing to step in so Paul could find somebody else. In that meantime, by the grace of God and their grace, they accepted me as their pastor And when I agreed to say, okay, God, if this is what you got for me, let's go. I'm willing to go. But, you see, it's not about me. It's about this man. It's about the wonder I have for this man. That who is this man? That as he initiates his ministry, goes into baptism, and he could have come in splendor and say, hey, here I am. And decides, no, John so that the scriptures can be fulfilled, you baptize me. Who is this man that goes into a desert 40 days and 40 nights? Who's been here in the desert? Let me ask you. Hot, right? Constantly drinking water. Your emotions go up and down. And if you stay long enough without water, your mind plays tricks. As I was walking down at En Gedi in Israel, the place where, where David hid from Saul, while Saul was chasing him, I was thirsty. 
I was thirsty every single bit of the way. And I said, Lord. And I was in the Negev where the Jesus spent his 40 days and 40 nights. Beautiful place. You can see the contrast as the sun comes out and as the sun goes down. Awesome colors. Beautiful place. And how can this place be so hazardous to our health? But Jesus stayed 40 days, 40 nights. How can he sustain such a time in the desert? And at the end of the 40 days, the devil, why does he take so much emphasis in coming to Jesus with challenging questions? Who is this man that even the devil takes his time to come to him? Oh, he doesn't come to us right now. He sends his agents to us to make your life and my life always an obstacle. He throws things at us for his agents to see if we're going to be discouraged, if we're going to get off track, if we are not going to heed the compass direction God has given to us all. You know, you and I still have a mission here. You may be retired. You may be close to retirement. Some of you are not even halfway to retirement. But believe me, you and I, if you can listen to my words, you and I, we still have a mission. And it's not done. And I can tell you right now that I need prayers And I like the prayers of my beautiful brothers who have white hair. Who have been through what I have been. You know, in Central Baptist Church, we got a pastor, assistant pastor, Charles Gibbs. Wonderful man. I'm serious. This man is wonderful. He is sweetness personified. The man could not, I've never seen him out of control with his emotions. Always the same loving man. That's my example. That's what I'm looking for. It reminds me of my dad. My dad left this world in 2003, and it's like I lost everything. It's like I became an orphan. So I got a 28-year-old boy who's looking at me right now. I'm his anchor right now. He doesn't live with me in my house, but he looks up to me and he feels secure. I feel secure when I see somebody as old as you are praying for me. I know I'm secure. Your work is not done because your prayers affect what's going to happen not only to this church, but to world missions. It's going to affect everything surrounding you. And I so cherish your prayers. Who is this man that chooses 12, 12 individuals who you and I would not even recommend to be a minister in our church? Who would have thought that a man wearing camel hair in the middle of the desert, he doesn't look like you and me. He doesn't fit in our community. And it's Jesus who's going to be baptized, but such a man. And you know, you read the story over and over that, you know, 
These people turned the world upside down. And because of that, they were all killed, martyred. Maybe probably except for John, I don't know. You know, who is this man that has affected many people through the ages for the last 2,000 years? I can think of Martin Luther, who decided that the Catholic Church in that time was not doing what the Word said, and he stood against it. And in 1527 and on, the church made a sudden turn, and the revolution started all over again for the church to come back into the Word. Back in the 19th century, we can mention a couple of names of people who's David Brainerd. David Brainerd was a young guy who got called by God to preach to the Indians, died at the age of 29. Is there anybody here 29? Is there anybody here with him? That range? Only 29 years old. He wrote a diary. But this diary came into the hands of another man called William Carey. Who decided without no education, no money to go into India. His own pastor said, if God wants to save the heathen, let him do it without you and me. And Carey would not. So the rest of his life, he spent it in India. He made Bible colleges, hospitals, and whatnot. Translated the Bible and died there. What about Jim Elliot? In 1956, came to Ecuador among the Alca Indians and left his life there at the age of what? 29. He was a young, promising kid. He would have a wonderful career, but he gave it all for the gospel, and he died at the hands of the Alcas. But God, in all his splendor, as his wife writes later, it is not by Jim Elliot that they won the Alcas, but by his wife and Nate's wife. And it is the same Indians who killed their husbands, who baptized their grandchildren, maids, and so on. Amazing, huh? This is a wonderful... Who's, who, what kind of man is this that turns you and me to come to a church to repent of our sins? Who's this man that we should all bow to him in honor and worship? And give our best to him. Give our lives to him. You know, I'm like Paul. I'm a sinner. The worst of his kind. For something, God has stand in me before you. Oh, I could go on and on. But I think you got the point. What kind of man is this that you and I would not want to give our all? Jesus looked at a woman and told her, your sins are forgiven. From that point on, this woman followed him wherever he went. And at the cross, she had courage enough to stand by him. 
And because of her courage and her faith, it's amazing that when Jesus resurrected, was the first woman to see him and talk to him. (laughs) Not Peter. Oh, not John. Certainly not Matthew. A woman. I believe that it all takes a lot of faith for us to believe him and follow him. Gentlemen, ladies, I think for each one of us, the question is still valid. Who is this man that you and I should serve him and give him our all? You know, Jesus said to love the Lord with all your what? All your heart, all your soul, your mind, with everything you got. And then love your neighbor. That's what we intend to do. Love our neighbor. Spanish congregation, I got some folks back there. Can you stand up? Can you stand up? I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And I hope that that question will linger in your minds for the rest of your lives. Amen.